This is Shane Gibson's podcast from ClosingBigger.net and Socialize.me. Today I want to talk about how to use social media without losing your humanity. Another way of saying it is, kind of looking at, from my perspective, is how negative social media use, digital device use, has become for many, many people. Business relationships, personal relationships, productivity, creativity, health, all these things are actually being negatively eroded by every tweet and Facebook update people do. Okay, I'm kidding. It's not that bad. But it can be pretty bad for many people. And I want to share this because I think it's important for us to develop a level of balance. Um, I brought this idea to, of course, uh, Mitch Ballantyne uh, and Anthony Creedy, who I work with at Socialize, and said, hey guys, uh, I know we're promoting the use of social media. I know companies pay us to teach them and their staff and their team to use social. I know we blog about the fantastic benefits of social media. In fact, I've written two books about the fantastic benefits of social media. But are we missing something here? Um, is there a toxic underlying aspect of social media that not only should we be aware of, but almost our responsibility to promote? Although it intuitively goes against maybe our own business vision, uh, I think personally it's important to share. And actually the interesting thing is both my teammates agreed. Um, in fact, they kind of laughed and, and thought it was funny that I brought it up because I'm the one who is most often can be found uh, on their device publishing photos, answering tweets, and connecting with people, uh, even while I'm doing other stuff around the office. So let's lay the groundwork here. How can social media negatively impact us? And I want to talk about the positive sides first. I think we already know the benefits. This is probably why you're listening to this podcast, is we know that social media can connect people that wouldn't normally otherwise meet. It's an incredible tool to raise funds and make people aware of initiatives around the world and, and you know what, lobby and rally together to make change. Uh, it's also an incredible tool to launch a new product and find people that would want to utilize it legitimately in a way that you would have never been able to do. Uh, for small business, it's a way to compete with large business in a guerrilla fashion and become profitable without spending the big bucks. Uh, it's a great research tool, collaboration tool, and even within society, I see it every day break down the stratification in society where people who wouldn't normally network or associate with each other connect, learn about each other, and build meaningful relationships that, you know what, cross everything from religious boundaries to geographic boundaries uh, to financial uh, boundaries. And so we look at this as that social media is in a very effective communications tool to do all these things. But it's got a dark side. So I think about something simple as I'm at the park and I'm watching my son play soccer. I take a picture uh, during the game of him uh, getting ready to play at the kickoff. And then, next thing I know it, while I'm publishing that photo on Instagram and talking about how awesome it is that I'm a great dad and I'm here at the park watching my son play ball, I miss his goal because I'm looking at this four-inch screen. Or we're at dinner with somebody else. Maybe it's a friend. Maybe they're sharing something really meaningful and personal, and we're kind of half-checking our phone through the conversation. And then they start to share something really intimate about themselves. Maybe a family member there is sick. Maybe they had a traumatic thing happen to them in their past life, um, and now they're sharing it with us. And then they look over to see us just sort of out of habit, glance down and tap the screen as they're sharing something with us. And we create this immediate disconnection and lack of trust. Or we're hiking up uh, on the mountains, and we're so busy sharing with the world that, hey, I'm breathing fresh air, and I'm healthy, and I'm in the mountains, and isn't this beautiful, that we actually don't experience it. We get into the production of hiking versus the act of being at one with nature 
um, grounding ourselves and disconnecting from, you know what, bricks, mortar, steel, uh, rock, and just getting into nature. And we even miss the opportunity to engage the people around us, or maybe our kids that are with us. Or at a conference. We go to conferences in many cases because we spend a lot of time behind our computer and a lot of time in cubicles and in cars and racing from place to place. But it's a place where you can collect, connect with like-minded people, network, and build personal relationships. Yet how often are we at a conference to look around and see half the people at a trade show with their head down looking at their digital device? Where they're looking under the table and staring at their own crotch. And we all know, you know, originally, maybe four or five years ago, when we saw someone staring at their own crotch at the dinner table at a conference, we'd be very deeply concerned. And now we know they're just checking their email and tuning us out. And so these are kind of examples of, you know, some of the negatives that we actually miss the opportunity to legitimately connect with other people. Now, here's some other bigger dangers. Uh, many of us you know, will be aware of something called the narcissistic personality disorder. This is someone who isn't just confident, but they, they display a level of exhibitionism, attitude of superiority and entitlement, and act in a way that actually affects their long-term relationships negatively. In fact, in many cases, they react aggressively to criticism, and they tend to carry out actions that promote themselves at the expense of others. Now, we've all probably worked with a narcissist or experienced the odd one in our life, but here's something interesting. Many people have a latent level of narcissistic personality disorder, um, and yet they're around a positive environment. They've had a great upbringing. They live a healthy, balanced life to a large degree. Maybe they've married a great person, and all of this has sort of helped round them off. What they found is these people, if allowed unfettered access to Facebook and Twitter and ongoing updates and constantly shaping their photos and, you know what, 12 selfies a day on their Facebook page and taking a photo of every meal they eat and everything they do and talking about how great their life is and how blessed they are and how awesome things are going. In fact, this contributes and can actually amplify the level of narcissistic personality disorder people have to the level where I've watched them spiral downward personally because there's so much pressure on them to number one, keep up really their own life to match their social profile. In addition to this, of course, become highly jealous or aggressive towards others who are critical of them or potentially have a nicer looking profile than them. So why I share this is that there are actually legitimate you know, conditions that can be amplified by the overuse and the unfettered use of social media, especially if it's used with the wrong intent. A new study of the United Kingdom um, actually show, shared that the selfie phenomenon may be damaging real-world relationships. And what it did is it concluded that both excessive photo sharing and sharing of photos of a certain type, including self-portraits, makes people less likable. Um, it also found that there was an increased frequency of sharing of self-portraits related to a decrease in intimacy with other people around them. For one thing, when, when a person puts so much emphasis on their own looks, it can actually make others feel self-conscious about theirs and their own presence. Um, and it also, again, talking about what I talked about before, is, as far as narcissistic personality disorder, can actually make this person competitive in an unhealthy well way with other people. Also, the pressure just to be camera-ready all the time can also heighten self-esteem issues for many people, especially those that are, are younger or vulnerable. So even from this perspective, we can see that you know, the concept of just sharing our life um, indiscriminately uh, without understanding the intent behind it can actually be very negative. The other thing that is a big one, and, and I've experienced this personally, is just the fear of missing out. So you're sitting there, you're communicating with a client, 
and you know something great is happening online or you posted a piece of content and you can see you've got comments and instead of being personally engaged with this individual in the back of our mind we're going I wonder how many comments I got I wonder who answered that tweet I wonder how many people like that photo or I wonder what's happening right now and it's that need to just reach out and see what's happening on an ongoing basis Seth Godin refers to it as polishing pixels, and I think it's a great analogy, is that instead of polishing relationships and building ourselves, we're actually spending time polishing pixels. We might be able to a networking event, and instead of connecting with other people around us, in the back of our mind, even if we're not even touching our phone, our mind is focused on what might be happening on the internet. It may just distract you from meaningful work. So this is something as simple um, as if you're a writer, is that you may be hopping back and forth. Uh, if you're in any type of creative capacity or leadership capacity in work, you know the need for downtime. That downtime is not actually downtime. When you've got a 10 or 15 minute gap of time where you don't have to answer the phone or send an email, where you can just sit there and breathe and get centered and reflect and get creative and open your mind to leadership possibilities, to business possibilities, that silence and that alone time is absolutely invaluable. Now, I've gotten great ideas from Twitter and, and I've read between the lines and articles and been inspired, but many of my great ideas or, or concepts for writing books or articles or reaching out to clients or potential clients or new industries has not come as a result of a tweet or a Facebook update. It's those nice times of silence where I'm disconnected. So I think too often, in fact, if... We spend all of our spare time reconnecting to the social networks we're on versus giving ourselves some breaks, almost some mandatory breaks if necessary. We actually miss the opportunities to create really amazing works of art due to our creative genius. When I say works of art, it might be your next product. It might be your next marketing campaign. I think it's important to realize that you're also who you, you are who you follow. And so we always, you know, we've always heard that, you know, who you will become in life is the average of the five people you hang out with the most. And in fact, over and over again, that's been proven to be true, is that those around us shape our reality. They shape our standards. Um, they shape our morals. They chip away at them over time. And in fact, who we follow on social networks on an ongoing basis has to impact us. We know the power of subconscious mind. I know when I read a book that in fact, although I'm consciously absorbing it, a lot of that's being embedded subconsciously in my mind for days or years. Same thing happens when we absorb tweets over and over again, Facebook updates, reading blog posts. So those people we follow and the content they share with us as we absorb it into ourself, it actually impacts who we are. I think the last one I want to focus on here is, before I get into the positive, is the persona versus person issue. And I experienced this uh, personally um, as I watched uh, back in 2008, 2009, the market crashed. And uh, during that time, I did work with a lot of um, financial services organizations. Uh, I also um, did a ton of work in the automotive sector uh, and insurance companies. So you can imagine that my business, when the market melted down, kind of went south. And uh, I had a really nice online profile. Uh, by the time I rolled into, just before Steve Jagger and I launched our book, um, I had, uh, you know what, a, a really good connection, uh, our good Facebook profile set up with lots of connections, painting this beautiful picture of my life, which was true, by the way. I didn't fabricate stuff. I just shared what I was doing, what I was passionate about, my lifestyle and whatnot. Um, and I think a lot of people saw me. And what's interesting is that, I'll give you an interesting example, is um, I recently had a, a couple of years ago, actually it wasn't recently, but I had, about a year and a half ago, two years ago, I had a person that I worked with. 
um, who came to me and suggested I spend two, three thousand dollars on this particular initiative for our partnership uh, because it was our company working with theirs or me working with them. And I said to them, well, I can't afford it right now. And that's why I haven't done it because it's just not in my budget. And they said, how could it not be in your budget? Come on, you're doing great. And I said, actually, no, no, I'm not. And, you know, I, I haven't given you my bank statements. And, and they said, well, you kind of act like you're doing great. And I said, well, what do you mean act like I'm doing great? I said, I, 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 don't, I don't show up here and uh, dripping in head to toe with brand clothes and a brand new, uh, brand new Mercedes. So I'm not sure what you're saying. And they said, well, Shane, you know, I've seen these pictures there. You were in Austin, Texas. Uh, last month and this month, you were in Las Vegas for three days, and I saw all the pictures and whatnot, and you're flying high. And I said, well, time out. And this is interesting, is I said, number one, I said, uh, that was paid by clients, <laughs> so I could go speak at their conference. Uh, I didn't foot that bill myself. Uh, and in fact, I, I flew economy class the whole time. Uh, so it wasn't, uh, you know, there's great cities and great conferences, but it wasn't on my budget. And they said, oh, well, that's different then. And I thought about it, but this is what happens in this persona versus person scenario. Is it's, there's a social pressure once we create content and this image of who we are online to keep it up. On the other side, what we also realize too is there's a pressure from people like my well-meaning friend who also perceives our content as something other than we did. And so there's this interesting pressure where there's pressure on not just keeping up the image that we're projecting, but also the one we know other people expect from us. So these are all the things that occur from a social media perspective that can build both anxiety, negativity, and erode the situation. Now, I'm not turning off my Twitter account. I'm not going to stop blogging. I'm not going to stop using Facebook or Instagram or video. And they're incredible tools to connect, build community, and express who we are if we're careful about the way we're using them. So here's some quick tips for you, and this is how to make it work without opting out. Number one, start culling your Twitter Facebook, and Instagram stream of racism, whiners, anti-everything type people, uh, and you know what, to a large degree, the me-me people. I've started to delete the person who's got 12 selfies a day going up on their Facebook page. And the reality is, is that what I'm looking for is connecting with real people. I'm looking for, looking at the reality is that we are who we follow, and so what do I need to call here? It's not about putting the blinders on, but what here is negative noise? Number one. Number two is proactively decide where you want to be and what your values are and build that community. So what do you want to be in your life? Where do you want your business to be? Who do you want to network with? Who do you want to connect with? That should shape who you're proactively working with. Number three, share awesome content. So from this perspective is that, you know what, um, how we avoid that narcissistic personality disorder really simply is to share content that benefits other people. I think that's a big one. Yeah, share your wins and everything else. And, and you know what, your, your kids go at the soccer game. Absolutely. Um, but also think about things that you're passionate about that if you shared could build the community. Next is make a calendar of daily activities and limit time. So what is your calendar for daily activities? I have a, I have a formula that I do for Twitter every day. Eight specific updates. And I actually allot 15 to 20 minutes a, a day on Twitter of social time, interaction time, fun time. I do the same thing for Facebook. And Instagram, I, I pretty well, is just social time. And so I limit that as well. But the reality is altogether, even me as an active social media marketer on my own brand, I'm still spending almost an hour a day on it. So that's a lot of time. But I make sure I budget it effectively so it's done in the positive frame. Next is social situations. Decide in advance what's happening. Are you going to a networking event next week? Are you attending a conference or a wedding? Um, are you going out with your buddies or your friends? 
If you are, before you leave, decide what you want the experience to be. Decide if it's appropriate that you bring your phone at all. Um, I know it would be a hard one, but at least make the decision to put it on mute and put it in your pocket. And you know what? If there's somebody you're trying to connect with, let them know that you're in advance. Hey, I'm going out to this event. I'm not going to be checking my phone. I'll pop in once around 9 o'clock and I'll give you a call. If we're living with somebody or working with somebody that feels that the digital device is a digital leash, and they should be able to get a hold of us at any time, that's another issue you got to deal with. Because you know what? That's not healthy for either of you. Set a goal when going online. And this is a big one. So when you're going online, set a goal. What is my goal today? If I'm going to open up my computer, what is my goal? What am I trying to achieve? Who am I trying to connect with? I'm going on Facebook right now because I want to connect with my nieces. Okay, do that. You know what? My goal right now is to do some research for an article I'm writing and connect to Twitter and ask a few questions. Do that. My goal right now is to monitor my brand and see if there's any mentions. Fantastic. Do it. My goal right now is to upload the family photos from our trip. There's about 100 of them onto Facebook and tag them all. Fantastic. Set that goal. Set a time limit. Once you achieve it, walk away. Attempt to really, the next step I would suggest is one network at a time. And why I say one network at a time is I think it's it's really important um, from this perspective is that, you know, too often I, I go onto Twitter to do something and I see that little red bubble pop up on Facebook that says there's a notification and I hop in to look at it. Uh, and you know what, then I mosey over to the, the little red bubble on LinkedIn to see what else is going on. And then I forget what I was going to tweet about. And then I do a little circle. And then I finally realize what I got there to do again. And I start moving. And then next thing I know, you know what, a 15-minute activity or a five-minute activity has taken me half an hour. So one network at a time. And that goes connects with your goals. Um, another advantage, one thing I would suggest to do is use a tool like Hootsuite. Hootsuite enables you to take these tools, which are very noisy, and put them all in one spot, measure, monitor, and publish content from them effectively. The next one, of course, is just share who you are. I think this is a big challenge, is that, you know, I'm sharing with you here, as an example, that I went through my own personal financial and personal crisis back in 2008, 2009, that actually took me right up to now to almost clean up. And so at first I was ashamed and embarrassed about maybe sharing that. Not to air it out, but if anybody found out. Imagine if someone found out this author didn't have a perfect life and didn't do anything perfectly in business. What would happen? And that anxiety actually was worse than sharing it. And so I'm not suggesting you air out your dirty laundry, quite the opposite. But what I am saying is be comfortable with who you are. Um, share the photos of your holidays. Share what you're up to. Share what your opinions are. And don't be so worried about people finding out who you really are. Be aware of the emotional impact, good and bad, these tools have on you. So if no one comments on a meme you post on your Facebook page, if you're very disappointed, um, that's a red flag. If you post a photo and you get 12 likes and 22 comments and you can feel your pulse race and you know what, those endorphins released because you're just about as excited as if someone was flirting with you, which is actually possible. People actually physically respond to social interaction online, like to do in person. But if you, you've got extreme good or bad responses to any type of social content, my suggestion is you're spending too much time on the platform. Uh, something interesting I really saw that was cool was there was the guy who started uh, uh, down in the US in the IT company, I forget the name of it, but he started, of course, the concept of casual Fridays. What he also started was the concept of no email Fridays around his office. 
And he created this concept where, you know what, on Fridays we put autoresponders on, letting clients know there's no email Friday, that if it's an absolute emergency or they just want to say hi, give us a call, because today we're phoning people and meeting them in person on Fridays. Now, maybe you can't do this every Friday, but I would suggest that, you know what, that the first Monday of every month is no digital day, that you book that day full of meetings with people or maybe a retreat with your team uh, or a creative time and actually disconnect. And I would say once a month is, is really weak. I think at this point, um, once a week is really more of a reasonable expectation, even if it's for a morning, even if it's for a four-hour blackout period during the work week. So I think it's really important to begin to do this and regain control that it is not a digital leash, that our clients do not own us 24-7, that our family doesn't own us 24-7, that we as human beings are allowed a little digital space to be creative, to grow, and to ground ourselves. So if it's your job, it's time to set boundaries and get the resources to have digital blackout periods in your business. And I think that's so important. As you as the leader, as a CEO, you know what? If your staff are answering emails at 11 p.m. for stuff that doesn't need to be answered till 9 a.m., you need to put a good, healthy social media policy and communications policy in place. Because you know what? They're just going to burn out and they're not going to be effective at work. The next kind of next things, two things I would suggest, and this is a big one, is develop a set of vital signs. So my vital signs might be, for instance, that I do martial arts twice a week, that I do a three-kilometer walk each day or run, that I have, phone, found, I have this many X, X number of periods per week of phoneless time with the family and creative time with no networks. And then during the workday, I map out my social, uh, digital, online time, as well as my project-based time. And I actually allow myself... Not every day because I get busy, but I try to make sure I actually sit down for lunch three times a week instead of sitting at my desk or running to meetings. But my suggestion is to have a vital sign sheet. And what I mean by vital signs is if you find someone on the side of the road and they're warm, it doesn't mean they're alive. I hate to mean use that morbid example. They need a heart rate. They need a certain level of blood pressure. They need um, brain function. Um, they need to be breathing. All these things, they need to be responsive. These are all indications that we're healthy and alive. Our life is much that way, is that our vital sign can't be just money. Our vital sign can't be the number of connections we have. It has to talk about what we're doing within that time to create a long-term healthy output. A big part of that today is our positive activity on social networks, using it for efficiency and building relationships. I think that's the key factor. You say, how much time should I spend on social media? Well, if it's increasing efficiency and it's truly improving relationships, then I would say, you know what, devote that time. If it has stopped doing that, you gotta relook at how you're using social networks. And the last part, and I think the most important part, in my opinion, is I'm gonna start off, or finish off what I started off with, is one of the most powerful ways I've seen to make sure we don't lose our humanity using social media, is to use social media to get off the internet. To use it to book a coffee with someone you know from Twitter. To use it to book an in-person meeting with someone on LinkedIn. To use it to get on a Skype call with someone, you know what, maybe it's a blog reader who comments often and you send them a quick email thanking them and wanting to connect with them online. Uh, maybe it is you want to resist to temptation to do a Google Hangout every day with your team and maybe actually physically, even if you're in the same city but your separate offices, to sit down and meet in person at least once or twice a week. But use the internet to get off the internet. Use it as a tool to build relationships and increase efficiency and be really aware of some of those danger signs. So it's my hope for you that, you know, if you're new to social media, uh, that you heed this and maybe you don't have to learn the lesson like I did in person. 
Uh, and those of you that uh, maybe have felt like, you know, this thing's gotten out of control is to put some of these steps into place. And so kind of in summary is that social media is just a tool. Any tool overused uh, can become unproductive and unhealthy, no matter what it is. This particular one, this particular one can be highly addictive. Um, it can disconnect us from other people and we can miss the whole point. Remember, it's called social media for a reason. It's actually about connecting with people, building relationships, increasing efficiency, and really getting things done in a way we couldn't do before. This is Shane Gibson's podcast from ClosingBigger.net and Socialized.me.